You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. we're not supposed to. The world is ignorant of spiritual things, so they can't see Christ in you. Your goodness unmasks the badness in them. Your light illuminates their darkness. Your truth exposes their error. Your holiness declares their depravity. And your life stands in judgment of them. It convicts them of their guilt. Not you, the Holy Spirit in you coming out of you and convicting them. Your life stands in judgment. It convicts them. It shows them who God expects them to be. The world is not what the Lord intended it to be. Your life as a follower of Christ is the opposite of the world. Your light exposes the darkness of the world. The truth found in Christ unmasks the error of the world. As Pastor Dave shares in today's lesson, you don't belong here. As the Lord's chosen, you belong in heaven. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 15 as he continues his message, Hatred of the World. First uh, John 2, 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing there, but don't love the world. Don't look at the world for all your needs to seek your needs. Why? I said it earlier, the world system is based on conformity. Conformity. As you follow after fads and fashions and accept the values of the world, you'll get along. And you know what? There's a new fad out there. There's a new fad that seems to be coming into younger Christians' lives and is put on by people who call themselves spiritual and who lead worship and who lead music. The main person, Marty Sampson from Hillsong, has renounced Jesus Christ in front of thousands of young people. Yeah, yeah, has renounced him. That's a fad down. Do you realize the power and the influence that he has over people in his music? We sang one of his songs last week. What a wonderful name. We sang it last week. He's renounced Jesus Christ. And the world wants us to conform to their views. The world wants us to conform to the way they do things. The world wants us to conform to them, to their values, to their fashions, and everything like that. But that was our old life before Jesus Christ. That's who we used to be. What does the Apostle Paul tell us in Romans 12? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed into who you really are, the spirit of you, the spiritual you. See, the Christian is born into a living hope. We refuse to be conformed to the world because we're a new creation. We no longer want the old life. At least we shouldn't want the old life. We should never look back at the old life with longing. You look back at the old life with longing, ask Lot's wife how that happened, how that went for her. She became a salt lick in the desert. Keep your hand to the plow and look straight ahead. Don't look back. We now look at things through a heavenly perspective. 
We see things differently than we used to see things. Jesus has called us to be the light of the world. He's called you to be the light of the world. He's given us that right. But the world wants to extinguish your light. The world wants to put your light out. Think about your old friends. After you accepted Christ as Savior, did you feel out of step with them? Did you feel like you didn't belong any longer? Good, because you don't. You feel like they're all different than you are? Good, because they are. They have a different mindset than you. They have a different thought pattern than you, different value system. Their value thought process is of the world. Yours is of Christ. If you don't understand why you don't fit in, it's because you're a new creation. You shouldn't fit in. You should not be fitting in with the world. You should be different. You were translated out. You're an alien. You're a stranger. The world hates you because you identify with Jesus Christ. The world hates you because you don't belong to it. And next, the world hates you because the world is spiritually ignorant and blinded. Look at uh, 21. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. The religious leaders thought they knew God. But their actions and their unbelief made it clear that they did not know who God was. Oh, they could quote scripture verse after scripture verse. They could quote doctrine. They could be very legalistic when they needed to be. And they could do all these things. But there was no relationship with Jesus Christ. There was no relationship with God. They didn't know personally who God was. Jesus said if they'd have known God, they'd have known me. But they didn't know God. This is not a new theme either. And through his teachings, they should have connected the dots. They were blind in their ministry. They denied godly walk. They denied his words. They denied his miracles. And sadly, their hearts and their minds were blinded by the God of this world, who was Satan. Same thing is happening today, folks. Same thing is happening right in our midst, right around us. The same thing is happening. There are many religions claim to know God but they refuse to bow their knee to Jesus Christ. Oh, they say they know God, but they don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. So they persecute you if you do not conform to their religion. They persecute you. But they're not much different than the Apostle Paul before the Damascus Road, are they? They're not much different than me before Christ either. Not much different than what I was. I was ignorant, spiritually blind. I didn't know the truth. So the world will hate you because we identify with Christ. The world will hate you because we don't belong to it. The world will hate you because the world is ignorant of spiritual things. And the world will hate you because they will not be honest with their own sin. Let's look at 22 through 24. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and the father. Once again, Jesus is reemphasizing his words and his works. They matched up. Because of Jesus' works, because of Jesus' words, the people he was saying are without excuse. There is no excuse for them. They saw his works. They heard his words. They couldn't put them together. They couldn't admit the truth. What was the truth? That they were sinners. In spite of their overwhelming evidence, the overwhelming evidence that was presented to them, 
They could, had, could not be honest about their own sin. They could not act accordingly, which is to confess and to repent. Confess just means, I did it. I'm sorry. Help me. I love you. Repent. Turn the other way. Stop your sin and turn towards Jesus. They didn't do that. This is an example of what happened in John 9. Remember when we talked in John 9 about the blind man who was blind from birth and Jesus healed him? Jesus healed him. The Pharisees saw that the man could see. They knew that a miracle had taken place. They knew that Jesus was responsible for the miracle. But yet they would not come to him and accept him. They would not look to him. They wouldn't follow the evidence and come to the right conclusion to put their trust in him. Jesus told them, you're blind. And, and, and he said that since you admitted that you saw a miracle, now you're responsible for your sin. What was their sin? Unbelief. Right? Their sin was unbelief. They would not believe. And they weren't doing this out of ignorance. They had seen the miracle. They knew what happened. And they couldn't refute it. But they couldn't face their sin honestly. What happens when you tell people they're sinners today? Sometimes you have to duck. They're not happy when you say anything about sin to them. In fact, there are many churches that don't even teach about sin anymore. They refuse to teach about it. People cannot see their own sin. They cannot be honest with themselves, accept themselves as sinner. Even after they hear the word of truth, they can't admit that they are sinful. Even if they're convicted by the word, they can't admit that they are sinful. We saw this. I didn't see it personally, but the gang that goes over to the commons a couple months ago, they were there in the commons, and it was pretty crowded. They had a good crowd, and they started singing victory. You came for criminals. You came for Pharisees, even one like me. A couple people got up and went, yeah, they left. Don't call me a sinner. Don't be calling me a sinner. Them's fighting words where I come from. Just lucky we're not where I came from. See, people don't want to hear that. People don't want to be told they're sinners. Jesus gives them a warning. He gives them a warning, a clear, clear warning. It doesn't get any clearer or more clear than this. 23, he who hates me hates my father also. Wow. All those who say we love God but hate Jesus, ain't going to work, pal. <laughs> that don't work. That does not work. We have different groups who say they love God today, but they hate Jesus. It's sad to see them try to get to God without Jesus. It's futile. Jesus clearly said in 14.6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Will these people here depart from me? I never knew you. I don't know. And finally, as we finish up, the world will hate you because of your identity with Christ. The world will hate you because you do not belong to it. The world will hate you because of the world is ignorant of spiritual things. The world will hate you because they won't be honest with their own sin. And the world will hate you because the word must be fulfilled. Look at 25. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without cause. Here, Jesus tells them that them hating him and them hating them is written in their law. And he quotes Psalm 35, 19, and he quotes Psalm 69, 4. Interesting, written by David. They hated him without cause. There was no cause for their hatred. Now, I love what one commentator said, and listen to this, quote, the irony of this quotation is clear. The men who post it as champions of the law 
were fulfilling the prophecy concerning the enemies of God's servant. They were almost condemning themselves. They were fulfilling this prophecy because they hated him. Jesus is telling his disciples today, he's telling us today, that when people hate you without cause, remember, they hated Jesus first. They hated Jesus. As you analyze this hatred people have towards Jesus Christ, it's a hatred without reason. It's a hatred without cause. You cannot tell them that they hate him, but they don't want to know that. They just hate him. They're unreasonable. You can talk about anything you want to talk about. Have a giant fight about politics if you want. But bring in Jesus Christ, all bets are off. We're done. No, we're done. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to know about it because they know they will be responsible for what they hear. They know they'll be responsible for what they hear. They don't want to know about it. They become quietly irrational. They become heated and some become violent. Don't talk to me. Why do you hate Jesus? I don't know. I just do. Well, that's scripture, isn't it? According to Corinthians, you're the stench of death to them. (laughs) You're the stench of death to them. No wonder they hate you. You're the stench of death. They hate without cause. You know, as a Christian, we have to expect this hatred today for the same reasons. We have identified ourselves with Jesus Christ. We don't belong to the world any longer, at least we're not supposed to. The world is ignorant of spiritual things, so they can't see Christ in you. Your goodness unmasks the badness in them. Your light illuminates their darkness. Your truth exposes their error. Your holiness declares their depravity. And your life stands in judgment of them. It convicts them of their guilt. Not you, the Holy Spirit in you coming out of you and convicting them. Your life stands in judgment. It convicts them. It shows them who God expects them to be. It's all true enough. You are so far from perfect. You're so far from perfect. At least I am. Many of you are perfect. But I'm so far from perfect. So much of the old man remains. And even though they see that, they still hate. When John wrote his first epistle, when he was writing his first epistle, I believe that he thought about Jesus' words to them this night that we're studying. He thought about the love Jesus spoke about. And he thought about the hate that Jesus said was coming. And back in 1 John, specifically chapter 3, in verses 11 to 13, listen to what John writes. He said, this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was wicked, who was the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. John is saying the Christian message has never changed. It's the same message today as it was 2,000 years ago or so when Jesus preached it. It's the same message. John said, I heard it directly from Jesus, and I'm passing it on to you. I heard it directly from the mouth of the Savior. Maybe you've gotten confused. Maybe you think that because I say I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it's only between me and him. No. 
The reality is, is how we treat others, how we love others. That's the reality of this life. That's what really matters. In fact, we read that in Galatians 5 when we guys studied it. It said in verse 14 of chapter 5, For the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus spent a lot of time talking about hate. But it is loving that matters most. Loving God. Loving each other. And in this, all the commandments are fulfilled. Love is the evidence of our new birth. It's the evidence of abiding in Jesus Christ. It's the fruit that we come from abiding in Christ as the Spirit works in us. We shouldn't be surprised when the world hates us. However, it should really surprise us when there's hatred among the body of Christ. Hating one another is just wrong. It has no part in the body of Christ. Oh, we may have our differences. Name me a family that doesn't fight. We might have our differences. But that love for Christ is our common denominator. And the love he has for us is the common denominator that we can love one another, even in the midst of our differences. Jesus warns us that the world is going to hate us, and it does. So I guess the next question is, how do we respond? Now, I know you're going to say we need to respond in love, and you're right. I know that's quickly off our mouth. That quickly comes out when we, when we ask questions like this. We quickly quote a scripture just like that. How did Jesus respond? How did Jesus respond? I can tell you how he responded. I was going to anyhow. I can tell you how he responds. Hanging on a cross, he looked at those who put him there. He looked at them and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's how Jesus responded. That's how we're to respond. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They're ignorant. They're spiritually blind. They don't believe in you. They're, they're in unbelief. And that's how we should react. That's how we should react. See, Jesus has taken us out of the world. He has set us apart. That's what sanctification is, being set apart. We've been pulled out of the world. We've been made holy. He is sanctifying us. We've been pulled out of the world. We've been not out of the worldly ways. We've been out of the world thinking. We're away from the greed and the selfishness and the self-importance. So what do we need to do? What is it that we need to do? We need to examine ourselves. We need to sit before a holy God, and we need to become like David and say, Lord, examine me. Is there any wicked way in me? Take it a step further. Is there any part of the world in me that I need to get rid of? And help me, Lord, by your spirit to jettison it. Help me to come and land at the foot of the cross and move on in your love. Help me to do that, Lord, so that I can be a better witness for you. Help me to do that, Lord, so I can show them your love, that I can guide them. And forgive them when they hate me, Lord, because you don't hate them. Even though they hate you, you don't hate them, Lord. I know you don't because I was there. We need to examine ourselves. We need to sit before God and let him examine us. Maybe you have too much in the world in you to be happy in Christ. And you have too much of Christ in you to be happy in the world. And you don't know what to do. You're betwixt and between. That's a horrible place to be. A horrible place to be. I need to examine myself because in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, 
In 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul says this. It's a simple, small statement. He says in 2 Corinthians 13.5, he says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Examine yourselves. Look within. Uh, the first epistle of John, 1 John, when we read that, it's like John is holding a mirror and saying, look in. Look into that mirror and look deeply within and see the cracks. See the problems that exist and where you need to make changes. But Lord, I can't make the changes. Fine. Submit to the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead you through the changes. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Let me leave you with this. Someone wrote this, and I think it's very, very important. Quote, hate may be a strong word, and it is a very, very strong word. That's overstating it. If everyone in my world is comfortable with me, could it be that my light has dimmed? Could it be that my salt has become less tangy? Examine yourself. Has the world accepted you and you're now buds with the world? Mm. There's a problem with that. Big problem with that. It's my prayer that we would know the difference. It's my prayer for me first because I got to do this. It's my prayer for myself and all of you that we would know the difference that if there's any resistance in me or any resistance that comes against me, it would be because I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, not because of my own problems. I want to be hated because I love Jesus Christ. I don't want to be hated because I'm a buffoon and go out and do stupid things. Now, those are some hard scriptures, gang. And if I have offended anyone today, I'm not sorry. Oh, this is God's word. Don't take offense at me. Take offense of God. But know one thing. Please know this before we close. God loves you. He has always loved you. He loved you from the minute he saw you in your mother's womb. He loves you. And he wants you to love him. And he wants you to recognize that what he did to love you, he sent his son to die on a cross for you. That by believing in him, trusting in him, and hoping in Jesus Christ for salvation, you would be born again, and you would be born into a living hope, and you would have eternal life with him. That's what he wants more than anything. But he does love you. But this is a warning. This is a warning that we, some of us have strayed. Some of us has gotten off the path. Some of us have thought the world looks pretty cool. You know, they're, they're, the world is pretty neat and we're dabbling in the world a little bit. And you want to bring a little bit of the world into church. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. The world and Christ don't mix. So that's what I'm trying to say here. This is a warning. Perilous times are coming. Perilous times are here. They are here, folks. Perilous times are here. And we need to be ever prepared and ever aware that these things could happen. Where is your faith? To whom are you placing your faith in? Are you placing your faith in the world? Or are you placing your faith in Jesus Christ, who gave himself for you while you were still a sinner? Because he loved you. Amen? You are assured. The book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start, 
So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.